You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Think you're ready to hire a PR agency? Want to know what you really need to know to make the right decisions? John Greer of Catching Flack and John Greer Consulting offers us the quintessential PR Client Buyer's Guide at the PRSA International Conference 2008 in Detroit. Ask the hard question. Don't assume uh, that because you're meeting with the senior person at the sales meeting where they're selling you their services that they're actually going to be there in the production uh, in the actual work time. So tell them we won't give you the business unless you, Mr. Senior Executive, commit to being to working on our account and we're going to just cancel our contract if it turns out that you don't. And thank you for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with John Greer. He has a blog called Catching Flack. He also uh, uh, works as an independent consultant through John Greer Consulting. Uh, I have known him for many years, and I had a chance to sit down with him at the Public Relations Society of America's International Conference in Detroit, 2008. And uh, he has been at a big agency. He has been at small agencies. He has been at medium-sized agencies. He has been on the client side. He is a senior tested vet in the world of PR, and he is going to tell you everything you need to know before you sign on the dotted line uh, and hire an agency on a retainer basis, on an hourly basis, how much you should pay, how much expenses are, what the points you need to negotiate in your contract are. You're going to hear it all in its entirety after this. Hi, this is Chris Bechtel. I'm the Vice President of Products and Services with iPressroom, and I'm here as part of the new segment we're testing called What You Can Do with iPressroom. This week, we're talking about podcasting. iPressroom's media platform allows non-technical communications pros to easily upload, manage, measure, and distribute their podcast content in a full-featured branded podcast portal. See the LA Opera's podcast portal at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com for an example, or as part of a company press room, search for the California Endowment and go to their newsroom at calendow.org. You can produce your own podcasts and simply upload them yourself, or you can engage us to record, edit, and post your podcast for you. You can utilize audio or video, and in addition, if you don't need a full-featured portal, we can host your podcasts and give you embed codes to embed the RSS feed and Flash Player right onto your site. If you'd like to see this in action, have questions, feel free to send us an email to info at ipressroom.com or visit us on the web at www.ipressroom.com demo. John Greer of John Greer Consulting, thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. We are at the PRSA International Conference 2008 in Detroit. And this is our How to Buy a PR Firm special episode. Uh, John, uh, you've been in this business a long time, and uh, you're an independent consultant now, but you weren't always. So you understand what it's like at a big firm, and you understand what it's like at a boutique. So let me ask you something. If, if, uh, if you were going to counsel, if someone, uh, if someone hired you 
to be a consultant and advise them on finding the right PR firm, how would you help them? Well, Eric, the first thing I would say is sort of take a global perspective, which is I think we who hire PR firms, and in my case sometimes get hired and have been sort of in all the different roles here, uh, don't really trust PR firms. I think if you, I, we were talking before, I think you probably trust a home contractor more than you trust a PR firm, which no disrespect to home contractors, but we're supposed to be professionals. And why would why would you instinctively trust somebody who's going to come in and bang nails and, and cut wood more than you would trust a professional? I think it's because we have a problem getting across that we're always trustworthy. So the first thing I want to sort of raise up for um, for clients of firms is you're not alone. Everybody is sort of struggling with this. Is this firm, you know, the people I'm looking at, are they trustworthy? So here's the questions you want to start to ask. Um, the firm about uh, whether they're going to be a good fit for you. I think the first thing that people are concerned about these days actually is industry expertise. The very first thing. And you really have to drill into this because um, somebody who knows architecture doesn't necessarily know law. Somebody who knows law doesn't necessarily know, you know finance. And yet PR firms by definition are promoters and they're going to tell you that, that they can do this. But if you're really, if you are in a specialty situation, do you really want somebody who has only generalized knowledge? And more and more, what we hear in the professional services world is people want professional services from people who know their industry. So the first question you want to do is look for people who know your industry. And that's real stuff. You know, do they know the terminology, the lingo? Do they know the, the, the arc of the development of the industry? Do they have contacts in the industry? Do they have past clients in the industry? Do they have contacts in the media that cover that industry? All these are relevant questions and all of them are absolutely appropriate for people to ask. So from a specialization standpoint, uh, I mean, I guess what you're suggesting is that if you are a boutique, you need to specialize. If you're a boutique uh, PR firm, Sure. Well, you need to specialize, but you also need to be realistic in pitching clients that you're going to have a hard time breaking out of your current industries if all you do is claim that you can you know, cross over. Because the reality is, on the, what we hear on the client side over and over is they want people who understand their industry. They don't want to be a school for, uh, new, for, for firms that, that are learning on their dime uh, how, to, how to work in that industry. They want somebody who already knows. If you look at the turnover rate, particularly at the junior level in the PR business, I think uh, you know, it's, it's an annual thing. Mm -hmm. You don't see juniors at, at PR agencies you know, more than one year on average. So how in the heck do you specialize in something, get the traction, have uh, people that can support you if there's so much turnover? Well, is, is the business of PR viable? That's a good question, but it's, uh, uh, assuming it is, because there's certainly a lot of agencies out there that are uh, making a profit or staying in business at least. Uh, I think for starters, you, you, what you're identifying is that sort of gray hair, older senior leader who's sticking around versus the turnover of the junior people who seem to come and go uh, a lot more frequently. And so what happens when you're on the client side is you meet those distinguished people who've had 10 or 15 or 20 years in the industry or in the business. They convince you that they know your industry. And then more often than not, and this is where PR agencies get a bad name for in one way, they turn the business over, this valuable client that they've just secured, they turn it over to somebody who's underqualified and under experienced to actually do the work. And they and so you as a client, your job is to find out, is that senior person really going to work on my business? Will, can they commit to that? Will they put it in writing? And it's okay to have smart junior people working on the business as long as they're supervised by the older folks who actually know what they're talking about. So uh, what, what advice would you have for somebody who's looking for senior level counsel? 
Well, there are some agencies out there that um, try to, you know, try to pitch. All oh, we are a senior level council. You know, a bunch of folks who come together, five or ten professionals who say we're not going to pitch. Uh, ourselves in that sort of junior senior mold we're just going to pitch all senior so you could look for those agencies that are out there um, but more to the point I think it's just again it's it's essentially this is a buyer's guide to how to buy a, an agency and the buyer's guide is ask the hard question don't assume uh, that because you're meeting with the senior person at the sales meeting where they're selling you their services that they're actually going to be there in the production uh, in the actual work time. So tell them we won't give you the business unless you, Mr. Senior Executive, commit to being to working on our account and we're going to just cancel our contract if it turns out that you don't. And is that something you look for in, a, in the contract? It can be in a contract. I mean, that's, you know, the agencies are not, it's not really in their best interest to make those kind of commitments because that's why you have one senior person and five junior people to, you know, to get more work done. Uh, uh, and you can't have the senior person work on all the accounts. So they're trying to leverage that senior person's time. They're also going out and doing new business development, uh, going to conferences, that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, this is the client side uh, buyer's guide. You have to sort of say, I'm special, I want, your, I want you to commit in writing to how much time you're going to put into this account and not just tell me verbally or not, you know, make it seem very informal. It should be formalized. It can what be else are you looking for? What else? Um, you're looking for accountability. You, you, once you get started on a program, there's a lot of promises that are made at the beginning of a program. It, it is one of the ways you get business is to, is to promise uh, results. So now how are they gonna deliver results? And one of the most important things to do is to have weekly or bi-weekly check-ins where, uh, you where your side, the client side, is meeting with the agency by phone or occasionally in person to sort of go over everything and just keep the, um, keep the job on track. Now, the one thing from the buyer side to be aware of uh, is you have to put, you know, you only get out of it what you put in. So you can't just throw this over the transom and say, get me the cover of USA Today, I'll see you later, I got other things to do. You've got to put in time, you've got to help them do their job, you've got to leverage that agency relationship. It's not a turnkey situation. What are realistic expectations for a client from an agency? How do you, how do you become the client that the agency wants to spend their time on? Well, I would say that responsiveness piece is the number one uh, thing that the agencies don't want to have you throw the business over the transom and say, see ya, get me results. The, they want to see a client that's involved, that's asking questions, that's providing information, that's providing access to the inside the company. Remember, they're sitting in an office some distance away. That's why they're an outside agency. They don't have all the resources that you have coming inside your your business every day. The only way that they can do good work for you is to have um, uh, access to those resources. You give them access to it, and that is the first step to a good agency-client relationship, and those are the kind of clients that agencies want to have. So seeing as how, uh, from a, at least from a media relations standpoint, PR doesn't really have any ultimate control over what you know winds up in print or uh, you know, on uh, the electronic uh, airwaves. Um, what are realistic, measurable objectives for a client that's hiring an agency? Uh, that's a great question. You know, it does come down to actual um, media placements, as we call them, and it is that's what we get paid for. Even though we can't guarantee it as on the PR side and the in the agency world, 
um, just it, it, it's a painful thing if you're a client to have paid ten thousand or a hundred thousand dollars for agency work and got no results in the media. So even if we can't promise it, even if it isn't like building a house where you can uh, hammer the the nails in and show the the uh, finished product, that's what we are promising. Just like a uh, a lawyer, um, you know, isn't going to be a successful litigator very long if they lose all their cases. So even if they can't promise what the judge and the jury are going to do over time, they better know how to make uh, to, to have a good batting average. Similarly with agencies, they better have a good batting average. So you certainly can measure in terms of not only placements, but also uh, in terms of the quality, both for the reach of those placements, how, much, how many people might have seen them, as well as uh, how prominently you're, you're mentioned. And these are all media relations tactics that uh, good agencies are able to employ to increase your odds. What does a client, how, how, much, how much space, how much leeway does the client need to afford the agency for the agency to be successful? Uh, another great question, and it, it is really, you know, these are human relations. I mean, we're in the public relations business. If you're a client, you're in the in the business of outsourcing work, and you simply can't, as I said, have a turnkey relationship. Um, so, the more that you can, um, the more that you can help them, the better off uh, your your relationship's going to be. Let's talk about pricing. What should you pay? How much should you pay? How do you know how much you should pay? Should you be on a retainer? Should you be on hourly? What are you getting for your money? How do you figure that out? Uh, well, the best way to figure that out is actually to get comparables from other people in your industry, um, to get a sense, uh, to get perhaps competing bids from different agencies. You really have to do your shopping. It is, it is pricing PR services is a little bit of a dark art, and um, it, there's really no one good way. I'd say the one thing you might want to watch out for, it's an interesting model, but I'm not sure it's really the way you want to go, is the pay-for-play model, where people... Um, don't charge you anything until you get that placement in USA Today. Then they send you a bill for twenty-five hundred bucks or something like that. I, it, it is an interesting idea, but uh, it's not for everyone. So I would say go into that with with caution. It sounds it sounds good, but um, you really it, it has a lot of uh, a lot of issues to it. So you really it, on the ethical and what are the issues? I got to call you out on sure it. sure. What are the issues? Well, the 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 issue for starters is um, this notion of of. That, that a third party is actually what you're relying on to uh, get the job done. So that the the timing of the placement, um, the, uh, the the kinds of things that somebody may do on your behalf in your name in order to get that placement, in order to get paid, those are some of the issues that you have to watch out for. Uh, and there are some, again, you know, online we have, there's just about everything. There are some articles and, and how-to guides that have been written is, to understand this pay-for-play model a little bit better. But when you're, go ahead. Give me some ranges in terms of pricing sure. for bringing on a PR firm, what's it cost? Well, if you're in a small shop, um, uh, I don't think you could realistically, let, let's start down at the very low level of a small business. I don't think if you can't afford at least say two to $5,000 a month for an agency, you're probably not the right person to the right kind of shop to have agency help. You may go outside and perhaps get some freelance writing help. You may find somebody who can help you sort of tidy up some of your marketing materials, but an ongoing relationship, figure you've got to spend at least two to $5,000 a month at a minimum. Um, and is that everything or are there going to be other expenses on top of that? Uh, 
I would there don't, doesn't have to be a lot of expenses. It depends on the nature of the pro, of the program. If you have more of a conference program, or you know you need materials because you're in the consumer world and you have to give away samples or things like that, it, there is going to be significant uh, out of pocket. If it's more media relations on the phone, uh, not minimum travel, there shouldn't be that much uh, out of pocket. But how yes, much? How much? In terms how much of, would it be? I mean, if it's not that much, how much is not that much? Um, $1,000 a month or less okay. in terms of uh, press release costs and Got mailing it. and phone costs, if there are any of those sorts of things. Okay. Well, you know, in, th in this day and age. So two to $5,000 plus about 1000 in expenses. For a, if you can't if you can't at least afford that, you're not ready for an agency. That's right. Okay. And then once, if you are, let's say, uh, you know, a, a privately backed company, a venture backed company, um, you know, five to ten thousand dollars a month is not is a typical range for an agency. Say ten thousand, you know, in the what in level of service for five to ten should you expect to get? Uh, I would say you would certainly expect in that range to get some senior guidance and a whole lot of, uh, of junior uh, arms and legs that are out there pitching every day and trying to make contacts for you in the, in the media or in other types of uh, PR outreaches. I would say on a, on a weekly basis you should be seeing significant progress in your account. Like how many press releases would you say you should be able to get? for five to $10,000 a month? You know, it's, it's, that's where PR gets a little um, uh, mushy because some people need a lot of press releases in their industry and some people, you know, say biotech, you know, the press releases are very regulated, so you might still pay that kind of money for the relationships, which are actually very time-consuming to develop, but you wouldn't have that many press releases. So it really depends on your on your business. But again, these are all negotiable, essentially. So if, if somebody's in your industry, and let's say gaming, I'm just making that up, but let's say gaming is a very uh, press release-intensive business, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Uh, you may need a press release, say, twice a month to sort of stay current and have everybody know what your latest features are. What if well, the client wants four a month? Uh, well, uh, are they going to pay more for it? Or are you going to tell them, don't do four a month? Well, essentially, agencies um, charge... I mean, at what point do you get to saturation level? Well, a couple of different questions there. On the question of, of uh, how many releases a month, let's say... Uh, Agencies tend to bill on an hourly basis for the professional time they're using. So, if they're, if if your budget, if all you could imagine spending is five thousand a month, and they tell you, well, that'll buy you two or three press releases a month, and you think you need six or seven, well, then you may see that they are asking to cut back on other things that would go into that budget, other people's time, uh, outreach to the media, uh, the, you know, writing time, things like that. Uh, so you're going to have to juggle a little bit. Um, I'm sorry, your second question, the version of that? Uh, well, I was interested to know. Well, actually, let, let's move on. Let's, let's, uh, um, first of all, we're talking to John Greer with John Greer Consulting. He's also a blogger at Catching Flack. And uh, we're talking to him about how to buy a PR agency. This is the buyer's guide to hiring a PR firm and getting what you paid for. Um, let's, let's wrap it up with a little bit on measurement and reporting. You know, there's a, some people who would say, um, you know, if you pay your firm to spend a lot of time reporting and measuring, that's time they could be spending getting out there and building buzz. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance the two and, and how much reporting and measurement should you look for? Well, that's another interesting question that to some extent plagues the PR industry because measurement is expensive 
And in the advertising world, with how much people typically spend in advertising, the cost of measuring is a reasonable add-on. In the PR world, it could double the entire budget um, easily in, in the way that PR is measured. So this does become an actual issue. There are some low-cost uh, products out there. Of course, people have tried to fill that void. Um, one that comes to mind, I think, is PR Track is a pretty inexpensive uh, way of measuring. Um, you could also do your measuring. But, in, you know, that's ad equivalency. I believe. Well, you got to measure somehow. Right. Uh, so there's an element of how you measure, and it is a, there are a lot of different things you'd have to learn about PR measurement. But uh, if, you wanna, if, if you want something that's cost-effective, there are a variety of ways of doing it. In addition, you could arguably do it in the very simple way of um, using it essentially internet analytics, you know, simple internet analytics, uh, hits on your web page, downloads of your press release, and just look for metrics that at least tell you we're being talked about. When you, you, there are people who have bigger budgets are interested in not just are you being talked about, but the quality of the talk, and that's when it starts to get expensive. John Greer, Catching Flack blogger and uh, John Greer Consulting, thank you so much for joining us at the PRSA International Conference 2008 in Detroit. Thanks for having me, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.